Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. this um, series has started I never even heard that song <clears throat> I'm dead serious and pastor see thank you very much pastor Steve looked at me as if I was deprived as a child as if my mother had withheld food and water from me when I told him I didn't know what hey Jude was she said mama did withhold food and water um, Hey Jude, it was before my time, 68, I think it was on the, the, the Billboard charts for number one song for nine weeks until another song knocked it off. I had no idea what that one was either. Hey Jude. But Jude, um, you know, most of us know, we all know that Jude is the short little book uh, before the book of Revelation. And it, it's almost like a, a, a kickoff, a send-off before we enter Revelations. And this is a book that tells us to fight to stand. It's an aggressive book. It is not one for the weak of heart. It has a lot of offensive language in it. He's calling people names, out of the names, names their mothers didn't call them, but it was because they had infiltrated the church. Well, three weeks, Pastor Steve began looking at this book, Jude, and he says, hey, Jude, what do you have to say to us? Well, um, the first uh, week, Pastor Steve said that Jude warned us against deception. Now, this deception, uh, he said, that comes with two things. The first one is license, and this was uh, the ability to just kind of do whatever you want to do, right? The license gives you an opportunity to use grace as a reason to do whatever you want to do and say whatever you do is covered by grace, right? Christ already died for my sins, right? He, he shed his blood on everything that I've done and that I'm going to do that I'm currently doing right now. And so uh, uh, a license says that I can do anything, which we all know is not the truth. Uh, the next thing uh, that, that he talked to us about was deception. Uh, and this deception, it, 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 uh, the deception includes tolerance and inclusion. This is uh, people's ability to reason and to take in everything and call it good. Inclusion, right? Uh, 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 tolerance, which we, we, know that, we, we know that Christ was the most tolerant man that walked the face of the earth, right? He walked three and a half years with a, a Judas that he knew was going to betray him, right? Come on, how long did he walk with Peter? And Peter kept messing up. We're talking about a tolerant Savior who, who, who tolerates us in the middle of our mess. Right? He knows what we're going to do next week. 
next month, tomorrow. He know you're thinking about food right now, yet he still loves you. Right? That's not the type of tolerance that we're talking about. Uh, and, and, and the next week, Pastor Steve, uh, he talks to us about distraction. He said if the, if the devil can't deceive you, he'll try to distract you. Now, this, this is it's something weird. They're, they're coming down council from my house. I know there's this donut shop on the right. Come on, we're talking about distraction, right? I'm supposed to go to the house of God, right? You got to say God like that to make it more holy. I'm going to the house of God. And the enemy puts the donut place in my peripheral, right? We Come on, we're talking about being distracted. The enemy does this all the time with our hopes, with our dreams, with our purpose, on our way. God is leading us to a place, but the enemy has this way of putting donut shops along the way, right? Whatever your donut shop is, you just insert it, whether it be lust, whether it be money, whether it be clothes, whether it be uh, reality TV, whether it be bowling, whether it be ice cream, come on, ice pops. I don't know, I'm getting into my kids' distractions now. They lose all focus. Okay, yeah, I must not know about ice pops. Anyhow, today, the third week, uh, we're going to talk about um, division. Division has uh, somehow infiltrated uh, the church. And, and, and to be honest, it lurks around every corner around every chair, around every class, around every person. There's an opportunity for the enemy to divide us in any way that he, that, that he seeks uh, to see fit. But before we go into that, I got to lay the foundation with the word. This is the preacher's 101. You got to read the Bible when you preach. If you don't read the Bible when you preach, you're not preaching. All right, here we go. Jude, starting with the third verse. It's a long hang with me. I'm going to try to get through it uh, without stumbling as much as possible. Keep in mind, this is offensive. This is aggressive. He's saying, stand, fight. Don't be bamboozled. Run them up. Hoodwink. Right? Okay. Here we go. Dear friends, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. I have to write insisting, begging that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and cherish. What has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks who beneath their pious skin are shameless scoundrels. Can you see him kicking dirt when he said it? Shameless scoundrels. Their design is to replace the sheer grace of God with sheer license, which means doing away with Jesus Christ, our one and only master. I'm laying this out as clearly as I can, even though you once knew all this well enough and shouldn't be reminded. Here it is in brief. The master saved the people out of the land of Egypt. Later, he destroyed those who defected. And you know the story of the angels who didn't stick to their posts. They abandoned it for other darker missions. But now they are chained and jailed in a black hole until the great judgment day. Sodom and Gomorrah which went to sexual Iraq and ruin along with the surrounding cities that acted just like them are another example. Burning and burning and never burning up, they serve still as a stock warning. This is exactly the same program of the latest, latest um, infiltrators. Dirty sex. Who says that in the Bible? Ruling rulers thrown out. Glory dragged in the mud. The archangel Michael, who went to the mat with the devil as they fought over the body of Moses, wouldn't have dared level him with a blasphemous curse, but said simply, no, you don't. God will take care of you. But these people sneer at anything they can't understand. 
And by doing whatever they feel like doing, living by animal instinct only, they participate in their own destruction. You know what? I'm fed up with them. They've gone down Cain's road. They've been sucked into Balaam's error by greed. They're counseled out in Korah's rebellion. These people are warts on your love feasts. You worship and eat together. They're giving you a black eye, carousing shamelessly, grabbing anything that isn't nailed down. They're puffs of smoke, pushed by gust of wind, laid out of trees, stripped clean of leaf and fruit, doubly dead, pulled up by the roots. Wild ocean waves, leaving nothing on the beach but their foam of the shame. Lost stars in outer space on their way to the black hole. Enoch, the seventh after Adam, prophesied unto them, Look, the master comes with thousands of holy angels to bring judgment against them all, convicting each person of every defiling act of shameless sacrilege, of every dirty word they have spewed out of their pious filth. These are the grumblers, the bellyachers, grabbing for the biggest piece of pie, talking big, saying anything they think will get them ahead. But remember, dear friends, that the apostles of our master Jesus Christ told us this would happen. In the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore, right? They treat them like a joke and make a religion, have their own whims and lusts. They're the ones who split churches, talking about division, thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them. No sign of the Spirit. There's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our Master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. And I'll conclude there. The book of Jude is an aggressive one. Those are like key words to get your attention. Stay with me. It's an aggressive one. And we're supposed to know it. But the enemy knows it too. And so Jude has highlighted a few things that the enemy has picked out to specifically try to divide us. Do you know that divide and conquer is one of the oldest tricks in the Bible, right? If I can get in a marriage and divide them, I can conquer that marriage. If I can get into a church and divide them, I, I can prevent that church from moving forward. Division has plagued churches since 2 AD. I just threw that out there. But you think about it. The, we, we have the big divisions that divide us, you know, uh, speaking in tongues and the baptism, right? and the relevance of uh, Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, um, whether or not you should take communion uh, every Sunday or once a year. We have these, these things that divide us, but that's not even what the enemy wants to use to get under our skin, to get in between our relationships. So instead of talking about the church universal, let's talk about passion. What prevents passion from growing together, from moving forward as a united front? Can you imagine the effectiveness of a football team? I'm going to use football as an example. You have everybody who watches football in Oklahoma. It's a football state, right? Not ice hockey. Football, right? The Sooners, fourth and one, on the line, right? Everybody thinks they know the right call, right? 
You got the, the, the people up in, in the clubhouse are saying, run the ball. People on the sideline saying, man, we ain't ran the ball all day. Coach is saying, you know what? People in the front office say, we should run the ball. We're going to run it. Quarterback is thinking, man, let me throw the ball. He goes to the huddle, tells the play. The running back is saying, yay. The quarterback is saying, dang. People at home are watching the game. They're like, they're going to run the ball. Everybody knows not to run the ball. We haven't been running the ball all day. We're talking about simple, so we're talking about sports. People get upset over sports. But if everybody's not on the same page, right, if everybody doesn't line up with the coach, there's division lurking around every corner. Let's talk about work, for those of you that never played a sport. You got a, a decision that comes down from the high up ranks, and it comes all the way down to you. And by the time you get it, you think these people are stupid. That's all they do is sit in big offices, collect big salaries, and they try to find a way to make this thing work good, and they can't even do it. If you haven't bought into the vision of the company, then everything that they do, you're going to complain about it. You're going to find a way to, 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 to be divided off from that. Now, when we think about this, we think that it lurks. Everything has an opportunity to spark a divide. So the first thing that we're going to talk about that the enemy uses to divide the church is he tries to get us to deny our biblical truths. Now, this is where the progressive church comes in right? Uh, we've benefited from a progression. You know, I don't want to act like progressive church is a bad term. You know, we, we have preachers and ministers and pastors that sit in rooms and they debate these things. And they say, you know what? I think women's ankles should be seen. Do away with the long dress. Let it drop to the knee. Nothing wrong with a little shin, right? Men can cut their beards, right? That we can, we, Pepsi and Coke is no longer a sin. Playing cards, going to the movies. These are benefits, right? These, are, these, these things are evidence of the, the church progressing. There's nothing bad about that. However, there should be some things in your life that cannot be debated, right? There's some things in the church that should not be able to be debated. You can debate with me all day. You're not going to tell me that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. Come on, you're not going to be able to convince me that he didn't come down from heaven and wrap himself in skin and was born a virgin birth, right? You're not going to be able to convince me that he didn't live a sinless life. You're not going to be able to convince me, no matter how much we debate, that he didn't heal and deliver and strengthen so that I would know how to do it. Come on, you're not going to convince me that he didn't carry the sin of the world to the cross, including mine, and he died for it. You're not going to be able to convince me that he didn't go down to hell and get the keys to the gates and take grave sting and uh, death's victory, and you're not going to be able to convince me that he didn't ascend back to the right hand of the Father and now sits there awaiting to come back and bring me home. I don't care how much we debate. That's not debatable. I'm not going to move on that. Shins, yes. Beards, yes. Coke, cards, movies, I'll budge. On Jesus Christ, no. But think about it. The enemy isn't going to come at you that way. He's going to start a little further out, right? He, he, he's not going to uh, come bulldozing through your Jesus Christ living room. If somebody came to you and said, Jesus Christ is not Lord, you would say, Satan, get thee behind me. Come on, when you rebuke the enemy, you got to do it in King James Version. 
You got you can't do it in, in the new life application. You can't do it in the message. You gotta say, Sad, get thee. Come on, behind me. He's not gonna do that. He's not a, he's not gonna push right up to your front door. He's gonna start a little further out. What am I trying to say? Satan won't always attack the root of the situation. Sometimes he'll start at the leaf and work his way back in. To have you somewhere believing something you didn't initially believe, but because you've debated it, because you've given ground on it, because you've let it linger in the atmosphere, now a month down the line, two months down the line, he has you somewhere believing something you didn't initially believe. Think about it. How do mothers get kids to eat broccoli? Put cheese on it, right? Put some cheese on it. He said cheese and bacon put bacon on anything, right? Chop up bacon, put it in my cereal, make it better. But think about it. I don't do that, Queen. I'm sorry. But think about it. He's trying to get you something that you don't want, but he covers it with something that you like. He's starting way out and just working his way back in. So by the time you get through the cheese and you don't bit into the broccoli, it's too late. You know what I'm saying? You might as well just eat that. Just eat that. Don't spit it out. Just eat that, right? And so we think about the, 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 the things that he does, right? He, 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 he takes pride. He covers it with false humility, right? He knows you know about pride. He just covers it up with a little false humility, right? He takes uh, 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 flirting and covers it up with friendliness. Ooh. That's good. He, he, he takes irresponsibility and covers it up with spontaneity. That's good. That's good. Come on. That's good. Listen, he takes, he takes acceptance and he covers it with love, inclusion. He covers it with love. We're just trying to love, right? He starts way out. And by the time you get to the middle of what he's feeding you, he has you somewhere believing something you don't really want to believe. I think it's time for us to nail down some things that can't be pulled up and dragged away and debated. That's something that, that, that you know, pastors do. They have, we have Bible studies. You read your own Bibles. We come to that conclusion at a different message. Another thing the enemy will try to do, he'll try to invoke in part amongst the brethren, is evil speech. You ever been around somebody that has nothing good to say? It's draining. The only people these people are able to build relationships are other people that, that have evil speech just like them. They're the people that when you try to do something godly, they give you an alternative. Somebody cut you off, and you be like, mm-hmm. They say, girl, I better cuss them smooth out. Right? <laughs> it's... They, 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 they do things where, where, where somebody do you wrong and you try to do right and they try to make you do what you initially wanted to do. Girl, I would have punched them in their throat. They always on the shoulder. Whoo, you trying to tithe. Girl, you know you're going to be short on your bills. Right? You try to stay with your husband and tell you how bad he is instead of praying with you. It's evil speech. Evil speech. Simply put, there are only two kinds of speech, right? Either you're speaking like God or you're speaking like the enemy. Let's see what the Bible says about that. Philippians 4 says, Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, there be any praise in these 
think on those things, right? Psalms 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Luke 6 says, out of his heart, a good man brings forth good things. An evil man, evil things. For out of the abundance of a man's heart, so he speaks. Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Either we're speaking life or we're speaking death. Either we're speaking hope, right, or we're speaking doubt. Either we're telling truth or we're telling lies. Either we're speaking up or we're speaking down, right? Either we're speaking God or we're speaking the enemy. We have to watch our evil speech or it'll sneak in and it'll separate us. I don't know about y'all, but I need a little bit more hope in my life. I don't, I, I don't need anybody that's standing on my shoulder telling me to do something that I know is not right. It's the people that always invite you out for pizza when you're trying to lose weight. That's right. there. I go, say that! Right? It's always the people that come over with a six-pack of soda when you done gave up uh, carbonated drinks. Come on, man. Say that! It's just, you should have one of those just sitting, like, right in your throat. Get thee! Thee! Come on. Evil speech will tear a church apart. It's the people that, that complain all the time, right? That leads me to my next point. The next thing the enemy will try to do is he'll try to slide in criticism. Now, this, this, this may feel like evil speech, but it's a very specific kind of evil speech. That's why I put two separate ones in there. We think about uh, 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 evil speech, criticism, complaining has plagued the church for a very long time. Criticism is divisive by nature, cuts, separates. It can be used to, 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 to bring forth some good, to separate the good from the bad, but mostly we just use it for the negative. Right? Let, let me give you an example. Let's talk about the children of Israel for a little bit. Right? They're in, uh, they're in Egypt. Moses tries to come bring them out. They increase the workload. They get mad at Moses. Right? Okay, so finally, uh, God delivers them out of Egypt, and then they complain because God led them to the Red Sea. So God splits the Red Sea. They get on the other side of the Red Sea, and they say, we hungry. He said, here goes a manna. We don't want manna. We want meat. You give them some quail. We thirsty. Hits a rock. Out comes water. Right? Our clothes are going to wear out. No, they won't. Where are we going? How are we going to keep cool? Uh, here, here's a, here's a, here's a, a, a cloud. How are we going to keep warm? Here's some fire. Right? Where are we going to live? Here's some houses you did not build. What are we going to eat? Here's, some, uh, here's a harvest that you did not plan, right? He goes through this whole line of provision. And after each provision, they find a way to complain and criticize. Whew. So what's happened is that we've read this scripture, and we shook our finger. Bad children of Israel. If I got to walk under a pillar of fire at night, there's no way I would doubt that God was real. If I saw water come out of a rock, there ain't no way I believe God isn't real. But that's exactly what we do. God brings us out of a situation, and we complain about the way that he did it. Criticism. Divide church. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of what God has done for us because we quickly forget 
like yesterday, we forget. I'm not talking about things that, that happened like a long time ago. You forget that yesterday you woke up. That yesterday your house didn't blow over like the people in Moore. Oh. We quickly forget God's hand hovering over us, protecting us. Even the people down in Moore who lost homes, he's providing for them, right? There's people that lost lives, people that didn't. The people that didn't lose their lives, God's protecting them. The people that did lose lives, God is healing their families, right? It's always a God of provision, and somehow we find a way to criticize. This particular kind of criticism, it separates us from people and puts a wedge in between us and God. How would you feel if every time you gave somebody something, they complained about the way you gave it to them? Somebody's drowning. You throw out a raft. They say, oh, the raft is dirty. <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they're hungry. You, you bring them some food. They say, ooh, I don't eat great value. Right? They, they, the people are, are dying, and, and God sends them a Savior, and they're like, ooh, he's riding on a donkey. Oh. Right? What would happen if we, if, if we just thank God for the things that we had instead of complaining? The job that he gave you that you prayed so hard for, you complain about it. Right? That marriage that you prayed so hard for. Come on, God, he's so cute. Ooh. She's so cute. Woo. <laughs> and then you complain about it. Right? Come on, you ask God for kids. He give you a kid. You complain about it. They won't stop calling my name. They always asking for something. They always hungry. They always want to play. They won't ever go to sleep. <laughs> right? What if we just thank God? Instead of fixing our mouths to complain and criticize. The last thing I want to talk about, which is a real sensitive topic, is forming cliques in the church. Before I go into that, I'm going to give you two examples, though. The first example, uh, it, it can be found in the first few chapters of Numbers. Here we see God telling Moses how to separate Israel into tribes after their fathers who were the son of Israel. Right? And so he says, it's the tribe of Judah. It's the Levites. You guys fight. You guys plant. You guys build. You guys worship. You guys stay in, uh, uh, in the church gives them specific things. God comes down, separates them. The second example I'll give can be found in Exodus 32. It says, and when the people saw Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves. They formed based on discomfort, complaining, negative speech, criticism, right? Now let me explain. Um, clicks they aren't formed around social activities, right? Those are called pods. You like shoot guns? I like shoot guns. Let's get together and shoot guns. You, you like to cook? Y'all form a cooking pod. I'm going to form an eating pod. We're going to get together. Right? Come on. Common interest, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have people that, that, that gather because, you know, they're in the same family, right? We call them people family. 
right? I've been knowing, hey, I've been knowing you 10 years. I've been knowing you 10 years. I've been knowing you 10 years. Let's get together and have food. That's not a clique. That's called friends. This is simple. Cliques are formed when they're secretive, when they're divisive, when they're poison. They form and they get in these little nooks and they complain and they chip away at the church. Did you see Pastor Julie wearing sandals on stage yesterday? Women ain't supposed to wear sandals on stage. Did you see uh, uh, the way Derek was sweating through that black shirt? How come he didn't wear a suit jacket? Did you say something about Derek sweating? Hey, they were talking about Derek sweating too. Now you got this group of people over here talking about how Derek sweated through his black shirt. Not because they like Derek, but because they're complainers. Big babies. Sorry. And so we think about this thing called a clique. And I've come to realize that most people think the church is a big clique. Right? That we sit around, we talk about sinners, how bad they are, and how dirty they are, and how full of sin they are, and how you wouldn't touch a sinner with a 10-foot pole. Mom used to say that. Right? They feel when they come in here and they sit down, they feel like an outsider instead of feeling like they're part of the family, right? Keep a spare skirt in the back for the girl that comes in and dresses inappropriately, right? Oh, brother, you're supposed to wear a suit jacket when you sit on the front row. Don't worry, we got you. It's in the back. They don't feel like they're a part of the family. Can people actually become part of the church? Is it as easy as confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart? Is it that easy? Bible says it is, right? Is it as simple as calling on the name of the Lord? And you shall be saved. Is it that easy to be a part of the family? It's supposed to be. We make it pretty hard, though. We have all these stipulations, right, for people to come in and be saved. You got to do five jump ropes, turn around, do a hula hoop, speak in tongues, be completely submerged in water, come back, and you're saved. Don't forget the hula hoops and the jump rope. The enemy tries to find so many ways to divide us. Leaps and bounds, he attacks our biblical truths. He tries to impart criticism, puts it in our mouth, and it hits us in the back, and it just comes stumbling out. You ugly. Oh, I'm sorry. He tries to put evil speech on our tongue. He tries to gather us by ourselves so that we can complain and criticize and point fingers. So what's the remedy to this? There has to be a remedy. If there's a problem, there has to be a remedy. Jude says to stay right at the center of God's love. Right at the center of God's love arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending, the real life. If we want to know the epitome of love, we have to look at Christ. We talk about how we admire him for all the things that he did, but we won't do them. Right? We talk about his unending love. 
unconditional love, eating with thieves, prostitutes, right? We talk about all these things and we lift them up in a light and we don't even strive to reach it. What did Jesus do that we're not doing? He reached across, intentionally loved. He reached across those lines and those boundaries where people were, and he met them in that exact place. He was intentional about loving people. Intentional. See the person over there? She's getting ready to go be stoned. Let me step in the middle of this circle to save her life. Somebody touched me, right? These are Bible stories. How do I know? Because I felt the virtue come out of my body. What's wrong with you? You've been bleeding? Let me stop that up. How long have you been sitting by the well? Let me make you walk. Do you believe that you can see? I'm spitting some up, slapping on your face. Can you see? No? I'm going to do it again. Right? He reached across these lines that we fail to reach across every single day. And while those lines that I just gave you, they're out in the community, we have lines that exist right here in Passion. And we have to be conscious to reach across them. We got to reach across pod lines, right? We got to reach across uh, racial lines. We got to reach across rows. The people that sit behind us every single day and we don't, we don't speak to them. We got to reach across member visitor lines. We got to reach across song lines. We have to be intentional about the way that we love about the way that we reach people, about the way that we interact, because Christ did the same thing for us. We were so far out, and he reached the cross, and he got us. The enemy is fighting hard to keep us divided. And the longer the church exists, he doesn't have to fight as hard because we do all the work for him. He just drops a little seed, and we run with it. Please stand to your feet. We have to fight. Jew says fight. Fight. Stand up. Be strong. Be courageous. Fight. Stand up. Be strong. That's for us here today in this house with our families, with our friends. We have to stand for something. We can't be the source of evil speech, of complaining, of criticism, right? We have to know what we know, and we have to stand on it. We can't form up cliques. We got to break them apart. We got to love on every single person, and it's hard, but it's the call of God. He does it for us every single day. He reaches across my selfishness, and he pulls me back. He reaches me across, he reaches across my greed and brings me back. God, we thank you for your love, God. We thank you for you ignoring the divide that sin puts between you and us. And you reach across it and you grab us every single time. Oh, God, we thank you for not forsaking us, for leaving us in the middle of our mess. God, we thank you for every single day reaching across, providing that way of escape, that way of getting back to you. God, we want to provide that same 
hand for the people around us. There are some people that are standing on the outskirts of this congregation. Come on, we need to reach across the lines of familiarity and bring them in. Shake their hands. It's easy. Reaching out, shaking a hand, hugging someone, telling them that we love them. Reaching across these lines that the enemy has placed specifically to divide us. We won't let it happen in Jesus' name. Strengthen our bones, God. Strengthen our will. Strengthen our might. Strengthen our minds. Increase our compassion to reach out to these people so that they can reach out to the world. Come on, it starts right here, right now, in these seats. Right where you are. Come on, if you've been guilty of not reaching as much as you should, come on, if you want to reach more, come on, if you know that you have some people out there that you can reach out to, that the enemy has put a divide between, I want you to lift your hands up. I want you to confess before God. I want you to reach up and I want you to grab his hand. In the same way that he's reaching for us, the same way that we're reaching for him right now, is the same way we have to reach out toward each other. We cannot stand another day, another Sunday, another week, another month of coming in this place and then walking back out with no relationships built. It's the point of the church. Church is family. Come on, one head, one body. Arm linked to the hand. Arm linked to the body. Come on, toes to the foot. Foot to the leg. We're all linked together. We have to reach out and grab those people. God, show us how to do it. Show me how to do it, God. Give me the words to say. Give me the compassion. God, fill my heart with love for them the same way that you love me. Come on, God, let me look past their, 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 their clothes. Let me look past their sin. Come on, let me look past their, their, their status, their position. Let me look past my offense, past my hurt. Let me look past it all and reach them and bring them back in because the alternative is their soul going to hell and them not knowing you. The alternative is them being lost and not being found. The alternative is them being broken instead of being made whole. Come on. The alternative is them being blind and not having the sight to see your goodness, God. Help me to reach out, to reach across. Jesus. If there's anybody out there that's never been touched by God, has never felt this love, you don't have to come up just want you to lift your hands up. Come on, he, he, he wants to, to bring you into the family. Come on, he wants to bring you into his arms. He wants to show you a peace that doesn't exist anywhere else. Come on, on this side is eternal life. In his arms, there's provision, there's healing. Come on, there's purpose. In his arms, and he wants to pull you in. If there's anybody out there, you can just raise your hands where you are. We're going to pray it with you. God, we thank you for bringing me to this place, for reaching out and for pulling me in, for seeing me in my brokenness and making me whole. 
God, I understand I'm a sinner, but I don't want to be one anymore. I want to be in your family. I want to experience your love. Forgive me for my sins. I accept you as my Father, my Savior, my God, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anybody out there that just wants some love, <laughs> I say that because a lot of times we, this, this love that God has seems so distant, yet it's so close. It's not far away. It's very near. In the very moment that you open up and ask him to love on you the way that he desires to love on you, he's right there in a moment. This faith walk isn't, it shouldn't be routine. It shouldn't be run of the mill. It shouldn't be something that you do because you're obligated. It should be something you do because you love God and he loves you. The same way you tell a spouse or a kid that you love them, you don't do it out of duty. You do it because you actually love them. God, we thank you for pouring your love out in this place, for giving us a supernatural abundance of love. God, that our cups run over with love and that we can love your people. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please clap for God. God, we thank you. Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.